Hello and welcome to the Grow or Die podcast. Today's going to be a little bit different than normal because our first Corinthians 16 uh, Wednesday night Bible study did not record properly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to re-record this in my office. And so uh, we'll be able to, uh, it's not going to be quite the same with that of an audience, but there's an audience here, I'm sure, with that's being a podcast. So hope you have your Bibles. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And what we're doing is we're closing out the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we have been in 1 Corinthians, and it seems like it's been uh, at least eight months, uh, if not a little longer, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed our study through 1 Corinthians. We're getting ready to leave 1 Corinthians and, of course, go to 2 Corinthians. I know, right? Uh, but, man, the stuff we've learned... Uh, we're closing out uh, this book of 1 Corinthians with Paul coming out of uh, chapter 15. Uh, and in chapter 15, he was uh, giving them the what for when it comes to that of the resurrection. And if you remember, one of the things we said, without the resurrection of Christ, our hope is in vain. And uh, that would even be traced back to that of the fact that uh, without the virgin birth, uh, there will be no uh, pure sacrifice or um, that of the one that died and shed his blood for you and me. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read, and I'm going to read all the way through to verse 24, and then we'll come back and try to break this chapter down uh, to the best of our ability uh, and try to show you uh, what it is that Paul is trying to do as he close out this book. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, and that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send uh, to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you, and when shall I pass through Macedonia? For I do pass through Macedonia." And it may be that while I abide, yea, and winter with you, uh, that ye may bring me on, your, on my journey with, whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timothy come, see that he may be with you without fear, for the, he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all. To come at this time, but he will come when he shall be um, when he shall have a convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quite you like men, be strong. Yet uh, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, I beg you, brethren. Ye know the house of Stephanus that it, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and, Fortun and Fortunatus, Fortunatus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. 
for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that they are such. The churches of ages salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. The grace of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, right now, we're going to pause and we're going to believe that you are who you say you are. And God, we're going to believe that you are speaking through your word. And so, Lord, show us what it is that we need to see. Lord, equip us to be able to grow. Uh, Lord, we want to be vessels that are used by you, but we need to be usable vessels. And so, Lord, just show us in your word how that's so. And then, God, may we give you the glory uh, for it all. And all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So what we have here is we have Paul signing out. Uh, Paul is signing out from that of the book of first uh, from the, that of the book of First Corinthians, and by his signing out, what he is doing is he is closing out with that of a rather touchy subject, and that would be uh, dealing with people's money. Uh, it's funny uh, these past two weeks there's been a a, a coin a, a phrase that I've that I've coined or that I've thought up, and that would be the uh, the word a church moocher. Uh, now you say a church moocher, that's that's weird, uh, but it's almost like you would use the word uh, a creaster, uh, someone that shows up just for Christmas and someone that just shows up for Easter. So, so they're creaster Christians. And, you know, our churches today are, um, they're full of people that are uh, claiming to be believers and they're church moochers. They're people that come and they believe that the lights just magically turn on and uh, they believe that all of the work in the church is just done I don't know, maybe with a touch of magic as well. And I'm careful with the word magic there. But uh, it's strange uh, when you hear the word church moocher that someone that's coming and all they're doing is um, they're just living off uh, someone else's gift. And they think that uh, the church is just there to give, 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 give. But yet that of a believer, we're never to give back. Now, already me using the word give has caused some of you to kind of go, whoa, wait a minute. But it's not just given of our money, but it's also given of our time as well. Uh, given of our time is, is also very important. Uh, and what we're going to see here is you see Paul, he gets started. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints. And this collection that he's talking about, it's a collection of money that he has taken up that he promised back over into, in Galatia when he was in Jerusalem. In, in the book of Galatians, he says, listen, I will, I will take up, um, our church would like to call it, our, not our church, our church is uh, something more of like a, a love offering or an offering um, or, or an offering, offering of benevolence, if you want to say it that way. And what's taking place is, is this money, this collection that is being taken, uh, it's being taken for that of the believers in Jerusalem. And at this current time, Jerusalem they're going very, through a very difficult time. Uh, you got to remember, uh, the people of the way are under great persecution. There's also a famine within the land. Uh, the poor people are suffering. And so what's happened is Paul, he's taken up this collection so that as he returns back to Jerusalem, what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to present them with this gift so that that church can then um, hand that out 
in a way that would be according to that of God's word or that of the standards of God's word. And you say, well, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you go back over into Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 6, it talks about that of the, uh, uh, the job or the, or the duty of that of, of, of a deacon and how they're the ones that are to serve. They're the ones that are to serve the people uh, while, the, while the, the ones that are teaching the Word of God, the pastors, the preachers, they're the ones that really should be left to study in God's Word. And so, and so what's going to happen is, is this money's going to be, be taken back. And as this money's being taken back, it's then going to be dispersed. And you say, well, how is it dispersed? Um, this benevolence distribution uh, that, that we're talking about, uh, it is something that is, that, that, that is done in our churches today. And it is something that should be done with great discernment, though, um, and with great um, wisdom. Because... Again, you have those folks that are the moochers of the church and that are the ones that are not understanding while yes, the church is here to, you know, to be a lighthouse for our community, to be that of helping meet the needs of that of, of the believers. Um, we're also not to enable as well. And so what I did is I found something online um, and I found uh, these, um, these eight different points so if you're writing down, you're welcome to write these down. But these are eight different things that, that talk about this, uh, this part of where we as believers ought to be supporting uh, those folks within our church. And how do we do it? How do we do it biblically? Um, and so the first thing would be this, is that as I mentioned already in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it plainly tells us that it is the deacons that are to... Um, that are to help disperse uh, what needs to be dispersed. This gentleman wrote this. You ready? He says, The benevolence distribution is a potential source of conflict and division, and it is the job of the deacons to prevent such problems by their wise and their spirit-led actions. And what you find there is there was a great argument that, that arose over how you're to support that of the widows or that of the orphans uh, there within, um, within Jerusalem. The second thing would be this. The church has an obligation to help the, now listen to this word, truly needy. And so what you'll find is, and, and I'm going to flip if you want to flip with me, you'll find over in the book of James, in James chapter 1, it says these words. In James chapter 1, in verse 27, it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so you and I, we are to, as, as the church, we're to help meet those that are truly in need. And then also what you need to understand is when you speak of fatherless and that of the widows, those that are truly fatherless and those that are true widows. And so... Uh, that's number number two on that of how uh, God gives us principles on how to support the poor within our church. The third one would be, be this. The church must discern who the truly needy are. We need to discern that. We need to have discernment because remember, we are dispersing or we're using the Lord's money. It's not our money. This is not, this is, this is, this is not our money that we are dispersing. And so in that, what needs to take place is it says that in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 
in verse 3, it says, Honor uh, the widows. Oh, wait, wait, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, yeah, honor widows that are widows indeed. So what he's saying there is he's saying, listen, yes, there is widows, but those that are widows indeed. The fourth one would be this when it comes to the uh, to that of the collection and that of the benevolence or that of the distribution of that of helping the poor within our church. The fourth one would be this. If one can work to support himself, he is not truly needy and must provide for his own needs. Now, you and I, we can find in three different places. One place would be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. It says this, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Very plain. Heard it all my life. My dad, if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, I remember as a kid, um, there would be that, those Saturdays to where, you know, it's, it's as again, my dad was joking with me, but hey, you know what? If you don't work, you don't eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that which quietness they work and eat their own bread. And so the other two passages there, when it comes to the part of this person being able to support himself, there's another passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. And then there's another one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11 that touches on this topic. The fifth thing when it comes to that of supporting the poor within our church would be if, if one can be supported by their family, he is not truly needy and should not be supported by the church. So if this person has a family, so see, if this widow has a family and this family can support this widow, then this widow is not a true widow. If this, if this, per, this person that is claiming to be needy, they have a family, this family ought to be supporting them. I cannot imagine, y'all, when I was growing up, I remember going over to my grandma's house and I remember my aunts and my uncles, we all gathered together. We would have work days at my grandma's house, my, my grandpa's house. I can remember climbing on the top of, as a kid, my grandpa's house, uh, helping roof the house. I can remember going and cutting wood for my grandma and grandpa. I can remember going and cutting my grandpa's yard and my grandpa paying me $5. Y'all crazy, I know, $5 for me to come and cut his yard. Y'all to see that yard. But, but the, po the point I'm saying is this, is that what we've lost is, is we've lost the understanding of what is family. And so if this person has a family, then you know what? This person really is not truly needy. What needs to happen is this family needs to step up and take care of their family. Those who are supported, uh, the sixth one is, those who are supported by the church must make some return to the church body. Now that is the one to where you also speak of this church moocher. And that is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 5. It says, Now she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, trusteth in God, and continueth in supplication and prayers day and night. And then it says in verse 10, Well reported for, uh, for good works, if she hath brought up children, if she hath lodged strangers, if she have washed saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed by every good work. And so what's happened here? is the Bible saying, listen, okay, yes, we've helped this person that is in need, but man, this person that is in need ought to really support the church. That's what I was telling you earlier. Not everybody has the money to give. I understand that. 
But what everybody does have is time. And if you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you're a, you're a member of that of the bride of Christ, that of the church, then yes, maybe you don't have as much to give as others, but you do have that of time and you can give time. There's tons of things to do here at this church. There's painting to do. There's, there's outside work to do. Uh, there's, there, there's people to visit. Hey, there is prayer lists that need to be prayed over. Many things to be done. The seventh is this. It is right for the church to examine moral conduct before giving support. There's nothing wrong with us examining the moral conduct of an individual before they are supported. And then the last one, the eighth one, the support of the church should be for the most basic necessities of the living. Now, this is where it gets, it gets crazy because 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. That is a big word too. Content is a big word in our, in our society today. To be, to be okay with what you have, okay? Now, hang on a minute. This is where my grandpa taught me a valuable lesson. We're at Kmart one time, and I know Kmart, right? But I was at Kmart one time, and, and we're up at the checkout counter, and my grandpa, he looks over at me, and he says, son, did you see anything that you needed? And I said, yeah, grandpa. I said, I did. I found something. I need a Hot Wheel car. And my grandpa said, no, 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 no. Did you see anything you needed? And I said, yeah, I, I would like a Hot Wheel car. And, and my grandpa looked at me and he says, oh, son, you don't understand. That's a want. That's not a need. Now, you ready? Now, that, I'm a kid. My, my grandpa, again, loved my grandpa. My grandpa, he loved on me probably too much. But I will say this is that, you know, our church, while there is those that are uh, they they say they're in need, uh, but when it comes right down to it, uh, they're not okay with a slab of bologna because they want a steak. Um, and that is where uh, what we need to understand is, is that the church is only here to help meet the basic necessities of that individual, of that person that is truly in need. And so what you find here, guys, I don't know if you see it or not, but in verse 1, with regard to the collection, here we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, with regard to the collection for the saints, please follow the directions that I give the churches of Galatia. So he's saying, listen, there is this collection that, that is taking place. So now, you ready? There is a collection that takes place within the church today as well. And then notice what happens here. You ready? And do it the way I told you to do it. That's verse 1. Verse 2, when do you do it? Oh, the first day of the week. Because you got to understand something. Very early on in that of, of, of the Christian world, uh, the first day of the week, that would have been very from the very beginning of that of Christ and His resurrection from the dead, the first day of the week, that would have been Sunday. And they would have been meeting on the Lord's Day, and they would have been taking a collection on the Lord's Day, and they would have been taking this collection, and they would have been setting it aside, and they would have been preparing themselves before that day to be able to give uh, from what God has given to them. You say, wait a minute, what do you mean by this? Well, each, each of you should set aside some income and save it to the extent that God has blessed you so that a collection will not have to be made when I come. He's saying, when I get there, we don't need to be wasting our time taking up money. There's things that needs to be done. You need to take up this money now. And oh, by the way, where is this money coming from? It's coming from where God has blessed you. And what you're doing is, is you're taking this up over a period of time. And you're doing it how? You're doing it by setting some aside. You're saving it and you're giving it back to God. Now, you ready? 
You've not heard me say how much of a percentage. You've not heard me say how much that you ought. All I'm telling you is today is that every believer in Jesus Christ ought to be given back to that of the one that is the great giver. That is God. God is a great giver. And listen, you ready? And by us not giving back, whether you want to go financial or you want to go time, what we're saying is, is we're saying, you ready? No, I'm not a Christ follower. I don't, I don't, I don't look like Christ. No, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it my way, but I like to claim to be a believer. And what we need to realize is, is that that is not what God has instructed us from this passage. Paul was telling them to do it this way. All right. And Paul was telling them to do it when to do it. Now notice verse 33. Then when I arrive, I will send those whom you approve with the letters of explanation to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Because number verse 3 is a verse that reminds every person that's in the church today or anybody that is dealing with money, there's nothing wrong with you having someone that holds you accountable. What he's doing is he's saying, listen, I, maybe some of you don't trust me. Maybe some of you think that I'm going to go and buy, I don't know, a Lamborghini when I get to Jerusalem. I know <laughs> there was no Lamborghinis in. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's what you think I'm going to do with this. But listen, what you can do, if, according to verse 3, you can, you can choose people from your own congregation and you can have them go with me as I deliver your, the King James would say, your liberality, your gift that you've given, th this gift that you've accumulated and that, and that you would like to see to make sure it goes to good work. All right. And so, and so hey, you ready? He says, send them with me. Verse four. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will go with me. So when I get there and I see what y'all have collected and we do whatever work needs to be done, then what's going to happen is, is when I see that it's time for me to go, those people that you've selected, those people will go with me as well so that they can hold me accountable. I, I'm telling you, it's so funny here at the church when someone gives me money. I am very careful because I want to make sure that I am on my utmost because Man, guys, that, that, is, that is a dangerous thing, man. And so what we have to do is we have to be above reproach would be a good word there. That is the right word. And that's what Paul was trying to be. But then what he does, is he gets to verse 5. Verse 5, he starts talking about something that really flipped, I think, a lot of people's minds on Wednesday night when I was covering this. And I want you to think about it as well. Notice what happens here as we go from verse 5 to, uh, let's go down to verse... Well, let's just start. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And if listen, and it may be that that I will abide, yea, and a winner with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I, I go. Now, now listen to this in, in in another version. You ready? Verse six. And perhaps I will stay with you, or even spend the winter so that you can send me on my journey wherever I go. Hear the plain reading there? Hey, look, I'm going to stay as long as I can with you. And then what happens is, is then, and then, then you can send me on my way. Verse 7, For I do not want to see you now in passing, since I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord allows, or the King James, if the Lord permits. 
As a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to remain flexible. We need to remain, and I think I'm using the right word here, I don't know, malleable. We need to remain um, in a way to where God, uh, we're sensitive to that of what the Spirit is saying. We're always willing to go wherever it is that God is leading us. We say in our youth group that we are walking in the Spirit, we're abiding in His Word. Walking in the Spirit, abiding in His Word. Well, if you're abiding in God's Word, all right, that, that, that means that you're always hearing what God has to say. Jesus says in John that those sheep will, will know my voice, all right? You'll know the good shepherd's voice. And so when, when you're a sheep out in the pasture and you're going wherever it is that you want to go, the moment you hear the shepherd speak is the moment now you, you begin to go the way the shepherd is instructing you to go. Why? Well, because the shepherd's got his best for you. The shepherd is looking out for you. The shepherd knows the dangers that, that are ahead. And so you and I, we always need to remain flexible in that of our, our journeys. Now, look, hey, you ready? Does that mean we don't make plans? No, God forbid. That would be silly. No, we plan our tomorrow. We can plan our next five years. But rest assured that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your life don't belong to you. Your life belongs to Christ. That's why you call yourself a Christ, oh, a Christian, a Christ follower. And so what happens is here, Paul is just giving them the understanding. He say, listen, I'm going to come. I'm going to stay with you, and I hope that I can stay with you for a while. But you know what? That's only if the Lord allows me to be able to do that. And so I told my seniors as they're coming out and they're getting ready to go into college, these are some uncertain days. These are days where you're wanting to make sure that the choice that you're making is right. These are the days that you're hoping. And what you have to do is you have to remain here in a minute. You'll see it. You, you have to remain in God's word, you need to remain sensitive to that of his voice and you need to be walking in the spirit. And if you and I are doing those things, I cannot imagine that my God is going to lead you astray. Now, remember that narrow path is tough, but it is still the path that I would want to be on instead of the wide path. And so we find there that he says that in verse eight, watch what he does here now. But I will say in Ephesus, but, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a door of great opportunity stands wide open for me. Now, remember that door of opportunity, while it did, it did stand wide open for him. There was a lot of trouble that came because of it, because you got to realize something. If you go back over, uh, let's see, uh, if you go back over to Acts chapter 14, it's going to show you what, what's taking place. And if you remember in Ephesus, man, Paul, man, he, even to the point that, that, that they lowered him down because they, they were going to kill him. And what happened was here is Paul saying, wait a minute, though, this door is open and, and I'm, I'm going to stay here. Even though the adversaries, they are many. Listen to this other version here. But there are many opponents. Now, hang on a minute. You ready? I love how verses five through seven says, this is what I want to do if the Lord permits but you know what? Right now, I'm going to stay right here because this door has been open and it's rough. There is no such thing as rainbow and unicorn Christianity. There is only a such thing as this. You ready? Being faithful to the calling and being willing to move forward. God gives us no armor to run. He only gives us what we need to stand 
and to advance forward. And what happens is, is here he's saying, listen, while this great door is open and I have great effect, I have a great affection for it, man, it's tough. Verse 10, watch what he does. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear among you, for he is doing the Lord's work as I am too. <laughs> Almost to the point I read a ser- several commentaries that they wonder if Paul's treatment from the people of Corinth wasn't real well. You can see that later on in this chapter to the point that he's concerned for young Timothy as he's coming back through. Because when young Timothy comes back through, he's got to make sure that, you know what, that they don't treat him the way they're treating Paul. And that's why he says, listen, this young man, he's doing the Lord's work. And he says these words, so then let no one treat him with contempt or the word would be this. You ready? Let no man therefore despise him. Guys, listen, Paul is telling them on this side, hey, you people in the church, y'all treat this young man and you treat him without contempt. You don't despise him. But then later on over in Timothy, he tells young Timothy, you look young, young Timothy. Yeah, you're a young man, but don't let any man despise your youth. But that means that, hey, you know what, Timothy, you do what's right according to God's word. It's a both and. And so what he says here is he says, listen, Timothy's coming. And so what I want you to do is I want you to make sure that you're treating him with that with the same as what is what I would expect you to treat me. But then verse 12 talks about how you and I. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll tear it. Hold on. You ready? Verse 12. With regard to our brother Apollos, I strongly encouraged him to visit you with me with the other brothers, but it was simply not his intention to come now. He will come when he has the opportunity. Look, I sat down with Apollos. I encouraged Apollos to come. And Apollos, he just said he didn't want to come right now, but he'll come when he has time. I love, I love the comparison that this one commentary had on this. And the comparison would be this. It would be like a pastor of a church that pastors, I don't know, let's say 10,000 people. All right. So, so you have a church that's, that's 10,000 strong and you have another church that is, I don't know, 10 strong on a good Sunday. And what happens in the society that you and I live in today, we would look at the pastor that's got 10,000 members and we... If we're not careful, we could hold him at a higher, you know, almost lift him up a little higher than this pastor over here of a church of, I don't know, maybe 10 on a good Sunday. And the problem is this, you ready? Both pastors in the eyes of God, if they are doing what is biblically true and accurate, they're teaching the word of God, they're faithful in teaching the word of God, they're shepherding their flock. These two men are equal in the eyes of God. And right here, that's what Paul is doing as well. Paul is saying, listen, Apollos, well, you know what? I, I remember Paul, he was a disciple. He spent time with, with, with Jesus in the wilderness in the book of Galatians. And so, and so in all account, Paul could have uh, trumped him and said, nope, you're going. But in that of, in that of uh, the, uh, the equality of, of that of the... Um, of that of the, the ranks in, in the time in which Paul was there and the end today as well. Um, they're all on the same playing field. They're, they're equal. Paul was very humble uh, in this. I, I found that to be pretty amazing. Verse 13. Notice what he does. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Now listen to this word. Um, quit you like men and be strong. Now hang on, hang on. You ready? 
just real quick. Ready, guys? When you read verse 13, verse 13, there's four things there that every believer needs to get, get a hold of. Number one, you and I, we need to stay alert. We need to stay alert. We need to be always on guard. And the only way we can do that is be in the Word. Remember, we've been through this whole book of 1 Corinthians. All the way through 1 Corinthians, that he's been answering questions. The same questions that Stephanus had brought to him that, down in verse 17. Stephanus brought these questions to him, and now Paul's answered these questions. But what happened is, is in the book of 1 Corinthians, the world had crept in, and they had brought their, uh, their, 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 their teachings of, of, of idolatry, or they had brought in uh, the heresies of the world, and they had really mingled them with that of the teachings of God's Word. And what had happened here is, is it, it began to destroy the church. Now, we know the church will never go away because it says the gates of hell will never prevail against it. But man, y'all, ready? there's a lot of things that we could, prohib, we, we, we could prevent from happening if we as believers, if we really would stay alert, we would stand fast, watch, we would watch. I remember preaching a sermon, I think it's over in Ezekiel 33, and it's, it's talking about being a watchman, and standing on the tower, being aware of our enemy, uh, be, being aware of, 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 of our surroundings and what's taking place, um, and knowing, knowing who's coming and going. We don't do that today. So not only should we stay alert, but it says we should stand firm in the faith. We need to stand fast. And listen, you and I as believers, it, it needs to be the very thing we need to stand. We need to have convictions as to what we're standing upon. Can I tell you, dear brother and dear sister, you and I cannot have convictions about things, biblical convictions, if we're not in the Word. So, 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 so what happens is, is we end up being like over there in Ephesus in, in the book of Ephesians, where it says in Ephesians 4, we're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. And really what needs to happen is, is we need to stop that. We, we need to get off the, the spiritual roller coaster. We need to get off of the... Oh the, oh, the emotionalism of that of, of, of this movement or that movement. No, what we need to do is we need to learn to stand fast, stand firm in our faith, in the convictions that we have of that of the Word of God. And then it says this, be like men. Now, hold on a second. Or, or show courage. I, on Wednesday night, I shared it in this fashion. Hold on, I'm get a drink. On Wednesday night, I shared it like this, and that would have been D-Day, not that I was there. But on D-Day, I, I did have a chance to do a graduation one time, and I was the, um, I guess I was the speaker at that one. I don't know. I had eight minutes. It was the best eight minutes. It was so fun. But on those eight minutes, I was talking about the boats that those men were traveling in. And as they were traveling in those boats, coming onto the beaches of Normandy, the, the boat driver uh, he would begin to count down the time, 10, 10, you know, 10, 10 minutes, five minutes. And then he would begin to count down three minutes before landing. And then he'd start going 30, 29. And then as soon as he got there, he'd hit it and the gates would drop. And what would happen is, is the moment those gates would drop, those men, and they were men, they were young men. That they, they were storming that beach of uncertainty, of unknowing what's going on. Many lost their lives that day. But they were men. And what happened is, is we were able to see uh, a generation of great courage. 
uh, a generation of understanding of what of what of what it, being a man is is all about. And the problem was in our churches and in this church here, the Church of Corinth, is that is that we need to be more courageous because we can be more courageous if we know our convictions and then we can know our convictions if we're standing and we're staying alert. But we're not doing that. And I'm not talking about just men here. I'm talking about women as well. And that's what, that's what Paul was saying here. And then he tells him, he says, look, I want you to be courageous. I want you to be strong. Be strong in what? Be strong in the Lord. Be bold. Acts. You go through, go through Acts. Many times it says that they were bold on, 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 the, on, on that of their witness. You, you can find, I think it's six times where Paul stands before and he shares, he shares his testimony in a very bold way. You know why he can do that? Because he was a man and because he was you know, courageous, all right? That manly part. And then also because why? Well, because he stood fast in his faith. He knew what he knew. And he wasn't, he had, he had no apologies for it at all. And then he says this, verse 14, everything you do should be done in love. That, listen, that is so huge because I can take 13, oh y'all, and you can destroy people. But man, when I get down to verse 14, verse 14 tells me, let all your things be done with charity or with love or with that of an unconditional love, an agape love, that's a love that you ready? I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to show people, um, a love that, that, that is me loving through, through, through that of Christ. And so while, yeah, I'm staying alert and while, yeah, I'm standing fast and while I'm, I'm being a man and, and yeah, I'm, I'm being strong. I've also got to, I need to be humble and I need to do it in a way that brings uh, God the glory. Um, my Bible tells me that we're not to have a spirit of fear, but of, of love and of a sound mind. Yeah, there it is. That's a great verse that goes there. That's 2 Timothy, I think. Let's, let me flip over there. Let me hold my spot. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Yeah, verse 7. You ready? For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Now, remember, Paul's telling this to young Timothy. Paul's writing 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And he says, look... For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love uh, and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me of his me of his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. There's afflictions that takes place. Y'all strong words, great words. Verse 15, I beg you, brethren. You know the house of Stephanus and that it, it is the first fruits of Achaia. And, and he says this, uh, let, let me keep reading here. He says that as the first converts of, of Achaia, they devoted themselves to ministry for the saints. I urge you also submit to people like this and to everyone who cooperates in the work of the laborer's hand. I was glad about the arrival of Stephanus. Now watch what happens here. And Fortunus and, and Achaicus because they have supplied the fellowship with you that I lacked. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. So then recognize people like this. The, those are the people that we need to be looking uh, to. The, the, those, the, those people are the ones that are being used by that of God. They've, watch this, become malleable. They become flexible. They, they become to where, no, this is not my life to live now. No, 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 no. I'm now a follower of Christ. I go where Christ tells me to go. 
I do what Christ tells me to do. I don't do what I want to do anymore. I do what God wants me to do. And I'm not talking about me just as a pastor, a student pastor. I'm talking about you as a believer. You, you, your life don't belong to you anymore. When was the last time you prayed for God? God, use me greater tomorrow. God, use me greater in the church. Lord, let me be a usable vessel for you so that I may encourage someone else. Because these people, now I read in the commentary where it says they, they believe that Stephanus probably was that of a slave owner and then the Fortunatus and Achaicus, or how you say that, Achaicus, those would have been his slaves, but they would have been believers. Now, I don't know that. It's, it, makes, it makes a neat story. But what happens, but what I do know is what's written in the Bible, and that is this, according to verse 18, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours, so therefore acknowledge ye them at, that are such. You need to look for people like that and acknowledge them. Why? Well, because they're walking in the spirit and they're abiding in his word. They're walking in the Spirit and they're abiding in His Word. They're walking in the Spirit and they're abiding in His Word. They're, they're, they're being uh, sensitive to that of, oh yeah, the Good Shepherd's voice. No, no, no. They're not having their ears itched. They're not having their ears tickled. No, no, no. They're having their ear pulled by that of the Word of God. Reminded of who God is and who we are not. Now notice verse 19. The churches in the province of Asia sends greetings to you. Aquila and Priscilla. Are, yeah, remember now, those are the two that got saved back over here in Corinth, but now they are with Paul. They're given a, a, a greetings back as well. And notice what it says. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord with the church that meets in their house. So now they're sending that of a back. And here's where people would say, yeah, see right here. Supposed to be like that. Well, that's the way it was in those days. The thing that we need to take out of this is this. Is you ready? They were meeting and they were meeting on the first day. On the Lord's Day. A, a day that is set aside for what reasons? For us to give glory. For us to give praise. For us to give. And it's, it's not a day that I want to set aside. It ain't about me no more, y'all. This is a day that, you know what? That the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This day, the Lord's Day. Notice what he says. He says, verse 20, all the brothers and sisters sends greetings. All these people that, that are sitting around Paul, all the people here that, that, that are with him during this time of, of where he's, man, he's going through it as well. All of these people are going, hey man, tell them I said hello. That's basically what they're saying. Tell them I said hello. Hey, hey, Paul, don't, don't, don't forget. So then Paul just says, look, all the brothers and sisters sends greetings. Verse 21, this is where Paul would have taken the pencil out of the hands of the one that was writing. See, Paul was telling them, hey, write this, write this, write this. And at the very end, Paul says, I, Paul, send this message with my own hand. He signs it. Paul signs it with his own hand. Let everyone who has no love for the Lord be accursed. Our Lord come. Now, hang on a minute. You're like, that is not the King James. Listen to the King James. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. And what he's saying is what I just read to you. He's saying these words. He's saying, listen, if, if it let anyone who has no love for the Lord be accursed, what he's saying is he's saying just like he said over here, what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. Listen to this. You ready? Revelation chapter 2. 
Listen to what happened to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and hast borne and hast patience. And for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, listen to this, y'all. I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Man, you had the appearance. You had the, the right words. You had everything but that of the true love for Christ. And what Paul's saying here is he's saying, listen, you people in Corinth. And what I would say today is, listen, you Christian that claim to be that of a follower of Jesus Christ. If all you do is have an appearance and there is no love, let you be accursed. They're strong words. Those are very strong words because then he says, that one, that one familiar word, because you'll find it in the book of Revelation as well, and that is um, Maranatha. Maranatha. And what that means is, is that means, oh Lord, come. And listen to me, y'all. I am looking forward to that day. And that's what Paul was looking forward to as well. Oh Lord, come. Verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And notice what he does here. I love this. Verse 24. Because he goes back and he shows them where he said, um, uh, remember in verse, uh, verse 14 of chapter 16, he says, everything you do should be done in love. That's what he's going to do in verse 24. He's going to do that very thing. And my love be with you all, all of you in Christ Jesus. So remember, it's been about, I don't know, since about verse chapter 4, it's been a tongue lash and it's been a, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to do right. This, nope, this is what's going wrong. This is what you need to do right. Nope, y'all, you need to stop doing this. This is how you need to do it. And I'm, and you ready? And then he says in verse 24, and everything that I am telling you, I do it with love. Now, hold on a minute. you like, explain that to me, Pastor Scott. That makes no sense. Well, this is how I would explain that. And that is this, you ready? Uh, while I was a young, young boy, I, my daddy, yes, my daddy whipped me and he whipped me well uh, and I needed it. But what you don't understand is this, is at the end of that, whether it be that of a, a tongue lashing or that of a, of a belt whipping or that of a, a switch or a fly swat or whatever my dad grabbed a hold of. And again, he did not beat me. He, he did discipline me though. And I am thankful for that today. I had a good daddy. What I'll tell you is at the end of that, my dad would look at me and my dad would say, I love you, son. And what, what, what we have lost sight of is this, is that we've lost sight. We, the fool says in his heart, the fool doesn't take any direction. The fool doesn't take, no, that, that's a fool. Someone that is, that is wise says, you know what? No, I welcome this. I hear what you're saying because I know you're doing this in love. My dad did that in love. My dad corrected me in love. And what happens is, is what Paul's telling the people of Corinth and what I tell you today as well. And I told my student group on Wednesday night, it's all, my, my God is a God of love. My, my God loves His people. And my God, he's, all, everything done here has been done in love. Whether it be rebuke or whether it be that of, of just a lifting up. Notice what it says here. You ready? I love this passage. I don't. Because this passage kind of brings things to a what? So he says this in a in a Hebrews. If you go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve. You ready? 
Hebrews chapter 12, and he says this, If you endure, endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof of all the partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. That's illegitimate, according to that of the understanding of that word. In verse 8, verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us, and after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. It's all for the profit. Paul did all that he did to help these to help this church, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Paul wanted to nothing more. I'm not saying Paul is God here. I know better than that. I'm just saying that that if you and I, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're abiding in His love, and we want the same things that God wants, then Paul, as a leader of that of of of, of those people, as an apostle, he wanted what was good for the people because his desires was God's desires, because he was in line with that of God's word. Listen to me. We need to be students of the word. If you want to break it down in four areas, I think the first one would be this, is the collection for the saints. We ought to be givers because my God, listen, we ought to be givers as believers because my God is a great giver. He gives more than you and I ever deserve. Number two, the second thing that we can get out of this, we ought to be very flexible as believers. We ought to be malleable. We ought to be, listen, make plans. That's wonderful. But you ready, guys? Hey, if it's only if it's the Lord's will. Live in God's will. Don't live in my will. And then, and then the third thing would be this. We need to stand. We need to stay alert. We need to stand firm. We need to show courage. We need to be men, all right, and, and that of our actions as, as that, that, that of a Christian. And we need to be strong. And then the last thing, the last thing, we need to make sure that we as believers, that we're doing the things that Stephanus was doing, and that is, you ready guys? Refreshing other people's spirit, lifting them up, encouraging them. Because remember, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, it says nothing about how it's all about me. It says everything how it's about everyone else. Hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed our Grow or Die podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you or hearing from you. Uh, we'll be uh, jumping into 2 Corinthians. We're going to do a review next Wednesday night. And then after we do our review next Wednesday night, then we'll be jumping in and doing an introduction to 2 Corinthians and then we'll start our journey. Hope you all have a great day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our day. We thank you for our word. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, may we be believers that are truly walking in that of your will, what desire in your will. Lord, we want to be nothing but in your will. And that, Father, we, we, we want to remain malleable. We want to stand strong, stay alert. You, Lord, Lord, we want to be where you want us to be. Lord, that only happened by staying in your word. We love you, Father. And all these things we ask in Christ's name, amen.